Hi, this is Matt Wallace, lead pastor at Holy Cross Lake Mary, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us, and I pray this message inspires you and helps build your faith. To learn more about Holy Cross, visit hclm.org. Enjoy the message. Uh, my name is Pastor Chris. I am uh, one of the pastors here on staff, and they gave me about 10 or 11 minutes to talk about Jesus today, which is a complete honor. So I want to take you back a few years ago. Um, you know, all the best conversations in college tend to happen around 1 o'clock in the morning. And uh, it was about 1 o'clock in the morning when I had a friend come up to me and he said, Hey, you believe in God, right? I'm like, yeah, I believe in God. I don't think this is, whole thing is an accident. He goes, yeah, I think I believe in God too, but I'm just not sure about this Jesus guy. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, come on. Come on. Really? Dies on a cross. Three days later, tomb's empty. Just rises from the dead. Who, who else do you know did that? <laughs> One person. Was, all right, yeah. The correct answer is nobody. Uh, <laughs> so I started researching odds. I started researching odds. And uh, not that I'm saying after this service, run out and go buy a, a Powerball ticket. I, I'm not. But you know what the odds are of you actually hitting the Powerball if you bought one ticket? It's one in 185 million. That's, that's, that's a big odd right there. How many people played baseball in high school? Raise your hand if you played baseball in high school. Cool. You know what your odds are of being an MLB player if you're a high school baseball player? Not to squash any dreams here today, but they are one in 6,500. One out of every 6,500 high school baseball players will make major leagues. And let's say that I was feeling lucky and I ran down, and Mr. Nick Bosco here wasn't paying attention, and I pulled out his debit card. And I went over to whatever this bank is called now, SunTrust, whatever it is. It seems to change names quite a bit. But I went over there, and I stuck his uh, debit card in the ATM machine. And I tried to guess what his four digits were on his pin. You know what the odds of me doing it on the first try would be? One out of 6,500. You have just as much luck trying to steal someone's pin number as you do trying to be a Major League Baseball player. <laughs> so, final stat. Even though we're in Florida, and it seems to be lightning and thundering all the time, do you know what your odds are of being struck by lightning? One in two. No, I'm kidding. One... <laughs> In three million, and there's this man named Race Roy Sullivan, and he holds a really weird world record. He's been struck by lightning seven times. He's having some issues with his hair growth. But here it is. The most important what are the odds question in all of humanity is exactly this. What are the odds that a man brutally beaten 
crucified by the Roman Empire, would come back to life. We've only had one person do it here. <laughs> the odds are astronomical. But get this. I'm here today to tell you it actually happened. I'm here today to tell you that it actually happened. After Jesus died on the cross, rose again, he appeared to hundreds of people over the course of 40 days. But before we get too far in the story, let's rewind a second. Last Sunday was a pretty awesome day. We came in, we had Paul Franz, and we said, Hosanna. Couple of wrong answers there. I'm sorry. Let's try it again. We said, there we go, which means, thank you. Thank you, kids. Yes. It means save us, save us, save us. And it's the first time that Jesus allowed people to treat him like the king of kings that he actually was. And he rode in on a donkey and he came in and people were throwing their coats down and they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And it was awesome. And you guys thought you had a bad week. Check out what happened next. Jesus goes to the temple. He starts teaching. The Pharisees start scheming about how they're going to shut this guy up. Isn't he the son of a carpenter? Man, why, what authority does he have? And then on Monday, Thursday, the night before he's betrayed, he gets his closest friends together. They go to an upper room, and he starts washing their feet because he didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And he left them with something that we still have today. 2,000 years later, they thought they were celebrating the Passover meal. And he said, no, no, no. He flipped the script. And he said, this is my body. This is my blood. And then he said, stay awake and pray for me. And they fell asleep. You got to pick the right friends, Jesus. Anywho, they fell asleep. And then he's arrested. Pilate realizes what he's done. He hangs himself. And Jesus is on the cross, and he's dead. And Saturday comes. And can you imagine what it must have been to be a disciple of Jesus Christ on Saturday? It probably wasn't looking real good for Team Jesus. You had seen this guy perform miracles. You had seen this guy talk to hundreds of people. Hundreds of people. And then... How could he die on a cross? How? I think about that story, and I think about what we go through today. You know, Jesus died on the cross, and he rose three days later, and there's going to be a time where he comes back, and he defeats sin, death, and the devil. There's not going to be cancer. There's not going to be all this junk in the world. But Sometimes we come in and the guy in the coat says, he is risen, and you're kind of like, he is risen indeed. Because we have pains of this world. Maybe we grew up in a family that just didn't work. I was looking at more stats. Maybe you're like me and you're one of three people who grew up in a family where mom and dad got divorced, or maybe you're like me and you grew up in a family where one in seven grew up with an alcoholic parent. I'm talking about people who also grew up in families that had absentee dads, abusive siblings. 
Maybe you feel as though the odds are against you. Or maybe that doesn't describe you, but maybe you've had a devastating loss lately. A loss of a family member, a loss of a spouse, a loss of marriage, a loss of your faith, a loss of a drive toward a goal. And you say, he is risen. Let me tell you, I understand what, and Jesus understood what, feeling like the odds are against you. I want to tell you this story. There's a man named Lee Caps. Lee Caps. You probably never heard of him. He didn't know how to fly. In fact, he'd only taken one flight instructing, uh, one flight class. But he had a good friend with a private plane. And when they got up to cruising altitude, Lee's friend, the pilot, had a massive heart attack and died. And so, Lee grabbed the radio and cried for help. There was an air traffic controller in Renton, Washington, who heard Lee's plea. And he said, to, he said to Lee, this is your lucky day. I'm not only an air traffic controller, but I'm a flight instructor. Would you be interested in a flying lesson right now? <laughs> Lee said, yup. The air traffic controller said, Lee, you're going to have to take a shot at landing this plane. No practice, no dress rehearsal, no spring training. And Lee came in, and the flight instructor said, when the plane came to the ground, it looked like an intoxicated duck. <laughs> but he landed, and he hit hard, and he walked away from that plane with only minor cuts. Afterwards, the air traffic controller was interviewed by several TV stations. Do you really think he would walk away alive? And he responded, folks, Lee Caps made it against all the odds. I know stuff's going on in our lives. I do. And I know that sometimes we don't feel the joy of the resurrection. But I, I'm here to tell you that against all odds... Against all odds, the Israelites made it out of Egypt. Better yet, against all odds, Jesus Christ is risen today. He is risen. And we can't help but to profess Easter with every ounce of our body as Christians. As a kid, I saw somebody wearing a cross. And I thought to myself, why would somebody wear a cross? Like, I heard the story a good fr Friday... Why would somebody want to wear a cross? That is the most humiliating, the most terrifying way to die. Martin Luther says, Christians wear crosses because it gives us hope when there is no hope. The cross gives us hope when there is no hope. John 14, 19, Jesus puts it this way. Because I live, you also will live. Easter happened. Easter is happening right now in each and every one of us. We live now and we'll live forever. And we have a word for that. It's called hallelujah. Exactly. So, final story. Because we have other things to do today. I was at the lower school a couple of years ago. And I had this kid come up to me. He's probably in second or third grade. And he was eating an apple, and he was on the playground, and he was like, and the apple's just flying all over the, and I could barely pay attention. It was just cute. And 
he comes up to me and he goes, Pastor Chris, I got to ask you a question. Um, did you really think that that guy lived in the belly of a whale? Come on. Come on. I was like, whoa, that's not usually the question I get from a third grader. So I do what they tell me. I, 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 eye to eye with this little guy. And I said, that is, I've been fishing a long time. And I have never ended up in the belly of a whale. But let me tell you something crazier. Did you know that God one time parted a Red Sea and his people ran across it? And then when the bad guys came, they closed the sea? Did you know that God one time came in a bush and he talked to Moses? Do you know one time Abraham and his wife had a baby when they were really, really old and like the odds were against him? Did you know one time there was a blind person and Jesus bends down into the dirt and he spits in the, in the dirt and he mixes it, which is kind of gross and before COVID, and he puts it on the eyes and the guy sees. Do you know that one time Jesus wept and he goes to the tomb of his friend Lazarus and he says get up and walk and he walked. He healed lepers. He went to a wedding one time little guy and he turned water into wine and it must have been a great party. I said so buddy yeah I think that maybe Jonah could live in the belly of a whale. And he looked at me and he goes, cool. <laughs> and he walked off and went to the playground. I was like, that's the best sermon I've ever given in my life. <laughs> he is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Hallelujah. Y'all stand up again, join us, Let's celebrate today. Till I met 
Have a seat, everybody. I know what you're all thinking right now. Ah, geez, another sermon? Uh, yes. Uh, here's a reading from Luke 24. Gives a little bit of a different uh, view of what happened right after the resurrection. This is one of the times when Jesus uh, met with his disciples. It says this, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is the word of the Lord. All right, if you have been coming to Holy Cross for a while, you know that ever since the pandemic started, we've been doing some things to be a little more interactive and to include especially those of you that are worshiping along with us at home. And so I have an opening question today to which you get to respond. And then uh, Blake, our uh, youth director, is our online person today. Uh, he will get your responses and be able to relay them back to me. Uh, and so for that, you're going to use a number you call, and you're going to text in. It's 407-842-8884, and I'll give that to you one more time in just a second. But here is the question. 
The question is this, today's a day, Easter is a day of victory, so I, that's what I want to talk about. How do you define victory? I'm not looking for the dictionary definition, but you personally, how do you define victory? How do you see victory? In your opinion, what does victory look like? You can text your answer to 407-842-8884. And uh, while we're waiting uh, to get some of those responses, I have a short little video that I'd like to share with you um, about a, a, a father and son uh, that ha run marathons together. Uh, but as you will see in a moment, uh, they uh, have some unique things about them. Uh, so you guys can go ahead and hit that. When Rick and I first started running, we never thought we'd be running a, a marathon. But we were able to do it, and we were able to qualify the way they wanted us. We didn't ask for any special consideration. The reason why I started marathoning is because of Rick. One of the lacrosse players from the college was in an accident, and he was paralyzed from the waist down. So they're going to have this charity road race to try to help raise some money so he could pay his medical bills. I wanted to show someone I knew he could still lead a productive life. That is why I turned to my dad and said, we have to run in this race. Well, at the time, I was 40 years old. I was not a runner. I used to run maybe three times a week, a mile each time. All we had was a wheelchair, which was prescription form fitted to Rick's body. And we had a hard time pushing him in it, never mind running in it. But we went down to the race, the gun went off, and Rick and I took off with all the other runners. We finished the whole five miles coming in, next to last, but not last. And when we got home that night, he wrote on his computer, Dad, when I'm running, it feels like my disability disappears. From there, we started to enter many races, and eventually we ran in our first Boston Marathon. When you start running races, what's the ultimate goal? The Boston Marathon. So we applied to the Boston Athletic Association, and they turned us down. They said, no, you're different than anybody else. You can't run in the marathon. But what they did say is, if you want, you can line up behind us and run. And that's what we did in 1981. And we ended up running our first marathon in three hours and 18 minutes. And that beat 85% of all the other runners. Yeah, pretty cool story. And that video goes on. Unfortunately, it's too long for me to be able to uh, show you the whole video. But if you get the chance to look them up, just Google Team Hoyt. Uh, and you can find out all kinds of amazing stuff about them. Uh, in fact, they did eventually officially qualify uh, to run in the Boston Marathon. But to do so, to meet their requirements, uh, they had to run the time for the age bracket that his son Rick was in. And so they, he was, the Rick was in his 20s at the time, and, uh, and the dad was in his like 40s, or it might have even been 50 by that time. And, uh, and they did it. They accomplished it, and they were able to actually run officially in the Boston Marathon. Now, I, I'm pretty sure these guys never actually won a race. Like, they never, they never came in first. But I think no, you can't watch that video and not see the victory there. That they accomplished some amazing, amazing things. They kept setting these goals that seemed outrageous even in the first place, and then they would meet that goal, they'd make it, and then they'd set an even bigger goal. And in so doing, uh, they made things better for themselves, 
And I think they made the world a little bit of a better place too. Is that victory? Blake, what do we got? What do people say? What's their definition of victory? What does it look like? Yeah, we got quite a few answers. So we have a positive outcome, uh, satisfaction of an an achievement or accomplishment. Uh, Hey, what's happening, (laughs) Pastor Chris? Uh, Victory is keeping the faith, knowing Jesus will fulfill his promises. And uh, the the number one answer is overcoming an obstacle. We got overcoming an obstacle. Yeah, I like that. Multiples of those. We're talking about victory today because obviously that's what today is all about. It's about that empty tomb. It's about Christ risen from the dead. It's about that victory. But you know, Pastor Chris did a great job talking about what it must have felt like on Saturday uh, for those guys. Today's Sunday, but they had to live through Saturday. And on Saturday, they thought it was all over. On Saturday, it appeared they had lost. On Saturday, Jesus was dead and lying in a tomb. On Saturday, the disciples were afraid and did not know what to do. But then Sunday comes. And when Sunday comes, Jesus wins. He was dead, but now he is risen. Hallelujah. And even that short time he spent in the tomb, even that death that he went through on the cross, that sacrifice meant something. It accomplished something. It won for the world forgiveness of sins. It reconciled us in our relationship with God, and it brought the hope of reconciliation in our relationships with one another. And that resurrection of Jesus guaranteed for us the promise of eternal life. That's victory. And we get to live in it. We get to live in a world now where that victory has taken place. In that, that old movie, The Matrix, and, and by the way, I, as someone who saw it in the theater, I, I can't tell you how much it pains me to have to refer to it as that old movie, um, but it is over 20 years old now, so I guess it is, but in that old movie, The Matrix, there's a moment in there where one of the side characters gets to meet the main guy, Neo, and uh, Neo is like a messianic figure. He's come to save them. And the guy that's meeting him is a true believer, and he's just, you can tell how happy he is to be there with the Messiah they've been waiting for, and he's just grinning, and Neo kind of looks at him like, what are you doing? And uh, he just smiles, and he goes, oh, these are exciting times. And I love the actor that did it, portrayed it beautifully, because that's exactly how I feel about Easter. When I get to Easter morning, it makes me want to go, oh, man. We are living in exciting times, folks. We are living in a world where Jesus has risen from the dead. These are exciting times. But anytime I say something like that, I always hear another kind of little voice in my head asking the question, how can you say that? How can you say these are exciting times? I mean, after all, just uh, look outside. Look at what's going on in the world today. We've got a global pandemic. We've got a war in the Ukraine. There's still places around the world where they're committing genocide. People are hurting. And that's just out in the world. That's out there. What about when we start to look in here, when we start to look inside ourselves or we look at the people around us? How many people feel depressed or lonely or sad? 
How many of us are dealing with uh, some huge mistake that we made uh, that, you know, uh, has left us feeling guilty and angry and maybe full of shame? Those are realities in the world. How's that exciting? How can we be excited to live in a world that has those things? Well, it depends. It depends on how you view victory and what you think victory looks like. Team Hoyt, that father and son, they didn't, they didn't win any races. They, uh, I mean, I guess they achieved a, a little bit of fame because of their uniqueness, but it's not like they're huge celebrities. They didn't get an endorsement from Nike, you know what I mean? The, the son uh, ran those marathons. It's, it would be an amazing story if I could tell you, and eventually he got up and walked, and now he's running marathons. But that didn't happen. He's still in the chair. And yet, do we look at them and still see victory? I do. Because they saw in those races, they still saw purpose. They still saw meaning. That first race, I love how he talks about it. He's like, we, we came in second to last, but not last. <laughs> That's a victory, isn't it? You know, the son didn't regain his ability to walk, but did you catch what he said? He said, when I'm running, I feel like my disability disappears. And that's what victory looks like. That's what victory feels like. Yeah, everything that we just said about what's going on in the world, that's true. Everything that we just talked about that so many people are dealing with right now, that's true. But the context in which those things is happening is different. The world has changed because he is risen. risen And that's the world that we live in now. And that changes what our view of victory is. Because we realize that victory doesn't always look like worldly success. The victory doesn't look like a perfect life that has no struggle, in which nothing ever goes wrong. Instead, victory looks like forgiveness. Victory looks like love and compassion. Victory looks like peace. And God empowers us to be a part of that victory. I love in the passage that I read, at the end, Jesus says, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. They were empowered to be witnesses to the victory of Jesus Christ, and we are too. See, we also get to run our own races now, sharing the good news, sharing the peace that we have found through Jesus. We get to bring that to others. And I tell you, When we're running those races, it doesn't matter if we come in first or if we come in last, because Jesus has already won. He is risen. risen Hallelujah. All right, we're going to give you a few minutes to think about that stuff while we give our morning tithes and offerings.
I'm not crying, you're crying. Uh, we come now to uh, an awesome moment where we get to experience uh, the grace of God in a very real and concrete way. And that is the Lord's Supper, where scripture promises us that Jesus comes to us, his body and blood, in and with the bread and the wine. And that when we receive those in faith, we receive the same things uh, that his body and blood won for us on the cross that victory that it brings of forgiveness and new life. But if we're about to do that, uh, it is good that we take a moment to remember and confess the need that drives us to this meal. That indeed we do live uh, in a broken world. We still live uh, in many ways in a Saturday world. And so sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes we sin. Sometimes we do things that hurt ourselves or hurt those we love. So let's all rise and take a moment to silently confess those sins to the Lord. Well, this is the easiest transition I've ever had to make here because the tomb is empty. He is risen. Hallelujah. So I can say to you with full assurance that your sins are forgiven in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so we remember that on the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. In the same way, also after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, take and drink. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And may the peace of the Lord be with you always. You may be seated. Uh, a couple quick instructions. Just a reminder uh, that we will be doing uh, communion the way we used to do it before the pandemic, where you will come forward and pass by us, and we will uh, serve you communion that way. Also, for those of you in the balcony, if you are taking communion, uh, you would help us out a lot if you just came on downstairs, and then the ushers will, uh, will work you through uh, the line. Thank you, guys.
please rise. <laughs> now may this body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you steadfast in the true faith unto life everlasting. Go in peace. And we continue with the Easter prayer. Each dawn proclaims resurrection. Every sunrise tells of a new beginning, and all creation sings for joy. From the start of time, divine creator, you painted each day with light, fashioned beauty from mountain heights to valley lows, and caused praise to whistle through trees and splash on seashores. Holy and loving are you, O God, for each dawn is a resurrecting gift, a possibility to deepen relationships. Forgive ourselves and those near us. Make peace and share love. Every sunrise rolls back the stone of doubt and lets the alleluia loose. Wondrous and great are you, O God. Amen. Amen. And now, having been fed by the word of God, having received forgiveness and new life through the body and blood of Christ, and having been encouraged in fellowship with one another, take what you have been given. Go forth into the world and share it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message and would like to learn more or contribute to Holy Cross, please visit hclm.org.